This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03 on a chilly, to say the very least, December 23rd, Friday afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. The Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. A Chicago restaurant that originally was a firehouse continues to offer a unique dining experience. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, there's some mixed economic data on inflation and orders for U.S. durable goods. We're joined by Bob Bruska, chief economist. Fact and Opinion Economics, based in New York. Bob, thanks for joining us today. Let's talk about that uh, personal consumption expenditures report, the PCE, which is telling a very clear story, and that is inflation is cooling off. Oh, yeah. Let's understand uh, what's going on with that report. Um, You know, you you can forecast year-over-year inflation by looking at the monthly changes for each of the previous 12 months. So what's going to happen now for the next couple of months is that 12 months ago, there was a big increase in the month-to-month index. So if we don't get a big pop on the month-to-month number, the year-over-year inflation rate will go down. And that's going to be there for another two months or so. And after that, it's going to be more difficult to make inflation progress. So inflation will cool a little bit from these high levels. But the future is still difficult because, you know, as you pointed out, these economic data are still firm. The economy is still strong. It's growing over 3% in the third quarter. It's going to grow nearly 3% in the fourth quarter. Uh, Economic data have been coming out on the strong side, not the weak side. And now we have this big omnibus spending bill. And you know what fiscal policy did during COVID. So I'm not sure the outlook for inflation is that good. The, The monthly numbers still have probably a couple of good months ahead of them. But the outlook to me is still very difficult. And then uh, durable goods orders dropped uh, 2.1%, another sign the economy, even though it's still uh, strong from a uh, GDP perspective, may be slowing down. Uh, Orders for manufacturing goods dropping. Orders for aircraft nosedived 36% last month, which is interesting in light of the news. I mean, Bob, I'm sorry. I'm going to hold off that Learjet purchase until next year. But it's interesting in light of the, uh, the news from Boeing and from United Airlines they're placing that massive 787 order. Well, um, yeah, the, 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 air, the aircraft orders figures are very lumpy, and you're not quite sure unless you're analyzing that industry exactly when and in which month those orders fell. But this month, you know, if you take out the transportation, it was a slight increase uh, in orders. If you looked at the GDP report by sector, you would have noticed that the durable goods sector is the weakest, one of the weakest parts of the economy, one of the few sectors is showing declines quarter to quarter. There's only a small increase on a non-durable goods. So we get a lot of factory data that we look at, and the factory data are the weakest data. The service sector data have been firm to strong. So you have to be careful because that manufacturing data kind of skews your vision, and we get to see a lot more of it than we get to see of service sector data. 
And then back on the inflation front, seems like the uh, lesson going into the holiday break is uh, if you're popping champagne in the next seven days or so, it's for New Year's and not because of, uh, of, of positive inflation data. No, no, it's not the inflation data. In fact, uh, you know, ominously, you look at what's going on in Turkey and how their central bank has ignored inflation and not raised interest rates. And they've got this eye-popping inflation going. Uh, there are plenty of places where inflation is cooking and percolating. And here, if we don't take steps to get it under control, uh, it's going to get worse. And the Fed's got to get the uh, the interest rates above the inflation rate. And I'm not sure they really have the conviction to do that. So I'd like to take this time to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, well-seasoned greetings uh, from uh, me in New York. And uh, I hope the year turns out to be Good for everyone. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Bob Brusca, Chief Economist, Fact and Opinion Economics, based in New York. Coming up, a look at a unique landmark Chicago restaurant. Your daily transaction for useful information. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. What started as a Chicago firehouse years ago is now a restaurant that continues to offer guests a memorable dining experience. We welcome in Matthew O'Malley, founder and owner of the Chicago Firehouse, 14th and Michigan in the South Loop. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Uh, tell me a little bit about the history of the restaurant going up to the fire in 2014. Uh, when did you see that old firehouse and say, you know what, we can do something with this place? Right. Well, Rob, thank you so much for having me. Um, so it was it was in 98 when the city of Chicago um, it was under the Daly administration. This neighborhood, like many neighborhoods in Chicago at the time, were going through transition and in 98, they put a, a, uh, a, a request for proposals out to the, to the community um, for ideas as to how someone could repurpose this firehouse that was built in 1905. So that's when the, that's when the process began. And uh, it, uh, it, it just happened to be a lucky break, I guess, for the Chicago firehouse that uh, one of your neighbors uh, turned out to be Mayor Richard M. Daly. So over the, eight, over the course of eight years from when the firehouse turns into a restaurant, uh, the year 2006 rolls around and uh, Mayor Daly and uh, President George W. Bush go there for dinner. What was that like as the owner of this restaurant? Um, it, it, first of all, it was, like, it was great for the community. It's always great to see, too, like, you know, you had a, you know, even though we're uh, pretty much a Democratic city to have both in, um, a Republican and Democrat just shows who we are in Chicago. Um, so that combination that evening was really special. We had it down in what used to be our wine cellar room. Um, and so it was, a, it was a, an experience that still sort of sticks with all of us and the team today. So it was, it was a great opportunity. December tenth, twenty fourteen, the you, the 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 firehouse uh, experiences a devastating fire. Uh, the place is closed for two years while you rebuild. What was it like uh, in the immediate days after the fire, and what was that process like of rebuilding the restaurant for two years? I, th- I think after the after the fire was, um, I don't know, it was it was certainly one of the most difficult times for us. I think once we reopened. I kept thinking we were going to be able to come right back to where we were, um, but we, we we were out of the community for two and a half years. So it was a process to get it back. Um, I say this all the time to myself and the team members, the more you're in it, the less you know, because you, you think, wow, you made it to almost 15 years and almost at the anniversary of the 15th year, 
we suffered a fire and then had to start all over again. Um, but truly with the help of the community, which has always been tremendous, and our team members that we've been able to retain over the years, we had this great opportunity to, to once again bring back something that was special to all of us. And then very quickly, uh, Matt, as, as the owner of a business who's been doing it for almost 25 years now, um, any lessons you want to impart about how to come back from a devastating loss like that? I, I think, again, I, for me, it's always been just truly just be humble and, um, you know, uh, listen more than you speak as far as trying to understand from everyone where we're going and what we have to do to make it better and where we need to go. Um, and not take anything for granted. And the, the big thing for us has truly been that our successes is, you know, much of our hospitality is defined by family, friends, and community. And those are sort of the three pillars that have helped us sustain um, through all this difficult time and continue to help us and make it a special place to come and see. So we sort of stick to those core pieces in order to keep moving on. Matthew O'Malley, founder and owner of the Chicago Firehouse Restaurant located at 14th and Michigan in the South Loop. Coming up next, a look at a website that offers wedding planning information for grooms-to-be. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. When it comes to planning a wedding, grooms need to understand what they can do to help everything go as smoothly as possible. Joining us now is Dustin Sitar, editor-in-chief of thegroomclub.com based in Chicago. Dustin, thanks for joining us. Us. And uh, where were you 12 years ago uh, when I uh, <laughs> started all the uh, wedding machinery, uh, when I asked my wife to marry me and it entered into a year of planning? Uh, everything went really well back then. And of course, uh, everything was memorable and everything was very nice. But the thing I discovered along the way was, man, there was a lot of stuff I just didn't know when planning a wedding. And uh, how many stories did you hear about guys just saying, look, I had no idea this was this, it was this complicated before you decided to go into business for yourself? Yeah, uh, so thank you so much for having me. And, you know, 12 years ago, I was exactly where you were at, where I was, you know, knew nothing about the wedding process. And it wasn't until after I went through it myself and then was hanging out with some other recently married guy friends that we realized we all sort of felt the same way where there was lots of stuff coming up during the wedding. And we sort of felt out on a lifeboat with not near as much resources dedicated to the grooms. And then, I mean, that's not to say that uh, it was it was a, a bad process or not memorable at all. It's just there are so many little things that you just don't know about uh, uh, you know, when it comes to paying for a ring, for navigating situations with family and friends. You discover all of a sudden, well, they can't sit together. You don't know about this particular scandal that took place decades ago, and they're still mad. All these little things along the way that could uh, be complicating factors. Absolutely. And and what we've seen is, you know, sort of two sides to this, where brides are wanting grooms to lean more in during the process. And then also guys are wanting to get more involved and see where they can help out. So really, there's this sort of growing need uh, for people to feel informed. And guys tend to like to do their own research, try and figure things out that, for themselves. There's not near the sort of 
network that's built into when uh, a woman is getting engaged and then through the wedding process. And then there's a little bit of, uh, you know, a gender roles discussion to be had here because normally it's all about the bride and it's it's her big day and she's the one who's going to look radiant. And as a groom, you're kind of along for the ride that, uh, you know, her preferences are usually the ones that you go with. How has the post-Obergfell environment uh, changed the wedding industry and the wedding planning industry when now you have to, you know, the preferences of two grooms and uh, trying to make that wedding work. Yeah, so that that's a great point. And, and we're seeing that sort of be very big and sort of leaning into, you know, men's and great engagement rings is a great example. Uh, men, when proposing to each other, or even if they're, you know, uh, being proposed to by the woman, uh, are leaning into like different types of rings where they're a lot more blinged out. You'll see a lot of men's rings that have, uh, you know, diamonds in them, other fancy gemstones. So it's really uh, sort of taken off in that regard. And then very quickly, Dustin, uh, since you've gone into business for yourself, a business that involves teaching people things you don't know, what's one thing you didn't know before going into business for yourself that you have since learned? Yeah, so the the men's engagement ring is one, uh, but also I've learned a lot about sort of the different trends that sort of took off during COVID with a lot of, you know, virtual weddings were huge. And now people are leaning really back into destination weddings now that travel has opened up. Uh, So that's been fascinating to see. Another thing that uh, is sort of crazy is the number of women that reach out after they've been posed to and say, hey, I, I love the person who proposed to me, but I don't love the ring that I was proposed to with, what should I do? And so this has led to one of our big recommendations is that get alignment with uh, the person that you're going to propose to on what kind of ring uh, they would like. Dustin Sitar, editor-in-chief, thegroomclub.com, based in Chicago. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Chicago's news traffic and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Bitter cold weather is making holiday weekend travel difficult across the country. A vote is expected in the House today on the government spending bill. It's Entrepreneur Friday. We'll talk with the CEO of an Australian based Mexican restaurant chain that's expanding its U.S. footprint in the Chicago area. And we'll talk with an expert about the drop in gas prices. WBBM Business, the Markets are mixed right now. The Dow up 147 points. The Nasdaq down 5. The S&P 500 is up 15. We have three below right now in Chicago under partly sunny skies. A wind chill of 29 below. High today of just two below zero with wind chills 20 to 40 degrees below zero. Plenty of blowing and drifting snow causing slick conditions in the roadways. It's 1231. Our weather is topping our news at the half hour. A dangerously cold situation for millions of Americans 
heading into the holiday weekend. A historic winter storm raging across several states. Along with the snow, it's also bitterly cold in much of the country. Thousands have lost power, making conditions even worse. CBS News correspondent Elise Preston has the latest from Chicago. Blustering winds, blinding snow, and blistering cold. From the Midwest to the South, temperatures in 24 hours have plunged more than 50 degrees and way below zero. Like in Western Montana, where temperatures dropped to minus 17 degrees. But for millions in the path of the Arctic-like conditions, there's a real danger with power outages expected and the country's roads being blanketed with ice. And you're being urged to use extreme caution when getting around in icy roads and whiteout conditions. The House is getting ready to vote on a government spending bill later today, but as CBS News correspondent Linda Kenyon tells us, many members won't be there. Many members will be voting by proxy, a rule that was put in place due to COVID. That rule may change once Republicans take control of the House house in January. But for today, it is alive and well. The difference is proxy voting was instituted due to the pandemic. Many members, though, are staying home due to the holidays, especially due to that massive winter storm that is blowing across the country. That storm has canceled and delayed so many flights that members of Congress wanted to get ahead of it, get out of Dodge. Linda Kenyon, CBS News, Washington. The new business hour continues at 1232, presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Stocks are mixed at this hour. Joining us with the latest in what's moving Wall Street is Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast newsletter based in Hammond. Chuck, thanks for joining us today. I'm a little surprised the markets uh, didn't have a stronger response to that PCE report that uh, some people were saying was uh, right on the money as far as inflation fighting was concerned. Well, I think you need to put, uh, and folks need to put this, uh, you know, today's trading day and, and pretty much all of next week in, in the, the proper context. And that context is there's just a lot of cross currents that hit toward this end of the year. You've got, for one, really thin trading markets. I mean, a lot of people are just not, uh, you know, participating. They're on vacation, enjoying the holidays. So you have thin trading markets, and in thin trading markets, you know, you can get some pretty big price swings with, with you know, little volume. Second, you're, you're in the, you know, the, the last gasp of year-end tax harvesting where people are looking around and, and, and selling stocks to offset gains they might have. Third, you're at that year-end window dressing where, you know, portfolio managers are kind of getting rid of stocks that they probably don't want folks to see that they owned um, through the first, you know, uh, for much of the year. And then finally, you've got, you know, portfolios getting rebalanced and repositioning for the new year and reallocated. And, and it just causes just a lot of, uh, you know, a, a mess of sorts in trying to discern the primary trend of the market or, or any trend of the market this short-term period. So, uh, you know, th- I think that's partly what is going into the fact that you're not seeing as much of a reaction today as you might otherwise see to the inflation report. The uh, let's do a year in review 2022. Uh, the Dow theory, uh, how did how did uh, fare this year? And there were there was a lot of volatility. Yeah, I mean the Dow theory's been been on a bear market signal most of this year. So it, you know from the standpoint of of being on that side of what the market has done. The Dow Theory has done a pretty good job of that. And we go into 2023 still on a bear market signal, a primary bear market signal under the Dow Theory. Uh, interestingly, we are, we have kind of points now that have been laid out. If, in fact, the uh, Dow Jones Industrial and Transportation Averages can hold their September lows and then go back above 
their recent November highs, that would be a pretty bullish indication for the market. So the market's at a potential crossroads right now, and we'll see how that um, kind of crossroads, which direction it takes. But you need it to hold those September lows. If those lows get taken out, you're probably going to see more significant selling coming into the market. And then just just based on uh, a lot, we, there was a lot of data that moved the markets this year. And it seems like for all of the talk about worst case scenarios, very few of them actually came to pass. Yeah, there were there was uh, the you know the the invasion of Ukraine did uh, put pressure on energy markets. We did see a run up in the price of oil and the price of gas. Uh, inflation was very bad at the beginning of this year, but it seems like all of those crises are easing. And could that continue in the twenty three? It could, and I hope I hope it does. You know, the the, the one issue that continues to be problematic for the market is that while we are getting some, uh, you know, uh, some reports here recently that inflation certainly looks like it might be peaking and starting to trend lower, the, the one inflation item that the Fed is focused on and will continue to raise rates until it impacts that uh, is wage inflation. And that really hasn't shown the sort of, of um, uh, slope downward that, that the Fed wants to see. And the market wants to see. And until you really see wage inflation, you know, get comfortably under that 5% range and hopefully back to 25 to 3.5%, it's going to be a real headwind for the market. So, yes, there are some things to, to look at that are positive, some trends going into the new year. But that is the one thing that at least we're watching very closely. And without wage inflation coming down, you're going to see the Fed continue to raise interest rates and make things difficult for the broad market. Chuck Carlson, CEO of Horizon Investment Services and publisher of the Dow Theory Forecast Newsletter based in Hammond. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Then coming up next is part of Entrepreneur Friday, a Mexican restaurant chain that started in Australia is expanding in the Chicago area. Discussing the news affecting your money. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. An Australian-based chain of restaurants offering Mexican cuisine is expanding its U.S. footprint in the Chicago area. Here to tell us more is Stephen Marks, CEO of Guzman y Gomez U.S., joining us live from uh, Sydney, Australia, where it's uh, both uh, 5 o'clock in the morning, I believe, and it's also 65 degrees. Stephen, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Rob. How are you? Uh, a little bit chilly. Uh, I, I wish it was summer, <laughs> but I'm, I'm sure well, when, it, when it's... Here. Australia, Australia had the hot summer uh, Christmas, which is fantastic. Now, normally, you know, Mexican food is very popular in the United States, obviously, because we're talking about uh, one of our contiguous neighbors, and there's a great deal of Mexican influence and Mexican culture in the U.S. Um, What was it like bringing Mexican food and Mexican culture to Australia? And clearly, based on the number of uh, locations you have there, uh, Australians love it. Yeah, but when I moved here 20 years ago, I mean, it's very different. I grew up in New York, man. There were no Mexicans here, but they had Mexican food. It just wasn't good, right? Because they didn't have the right ingredients, the right people. And, you know, whenever you build something, your passion goes into it. So we realized we had to get Mexican chefs and get the right ingredients. And that was the key to building this business over, year, over the years. It was, it's authentic. It's so tasty. And it just took time for the Australians to understand what it really was. But now they're in love with GYGN. You know, we've got 175 restaurants in Australia, Singapore, Japan. We're opening about 30-plus drive throughs a year, and it's just been an awesome journey for everybody involved. 
And that is uh, quite the uh, swath of cultures we're talking about here. Australia, Singapore, and Japan. Uh, was, did you have to uh, alter the product at all or to, to reflect local tastes? Well, you know, you know, whenever you build something, you have to be authentic, right? So one thing we do, man, and, and we're here to basically reinvent fast food. I think when people see GYG, it looks fast casual. But there's nothing casual about what we do, man. We're fast-paced, high-energy so in Australia, it just took a lot of time to educate them what real Mexican food was. I mean, originally they thought black beans were olives, so that's what I'm talking about. So in Singapore, we stay true to what we do. So Singapore, it's obviously we have these beautiful steaks and pork shoulders and briskets. But like in Japan, we have a chicken teriyaki burrito. So for us, as long as we stay true to our values, which is never, ever compromising on quality, you know, then we look to make sure that our guests are happy and our restaurants are packed and full of energy. So now uh, in January of 2020, the first uh, Guzman E. Gomez location uh, opens in the U.S. in Naperville. So how, how are Americans taking to the Australian interpretation of Mexican food? Well, I guess there's no Australian interpretation. This is authentic, authentic Mexican food. That's the thing. We just happened to start in Australia. And, you know, when we, when we were looking to expand in the U.S., man, we just fell in love with Chicago and its suburbs. And we found this beautiful AAA spot in Naperville. And, and, our, and our restaurants in the U.S., obviously Naperville, Schaumburg opening up on January 19th uh, this year. You know, it's, they're these big, big drive throughs And, uh, and Naperville was loving it. I mean, the timing wasn't fantastic right before COVID. But because it was a drive through businesses just kept building, which was fantastic for us. Now, you said you originally are from New York. You moved to Australia 20 years ago. Was there any desire uh, when you were in New York to open a restaurant, or did you get that particular urge uh, once you were uh, over there? Yeah, well, I, I actually used to run hedge funds. I went to University of Pennsylvania in Philly, and I worked on Wall Street. And I actually moved to Australia in hopes of building a hotel. And, um, and then when I got here, I mean, I mean, obviously, I love Mexican food. I grew up with you know, a lot of Latins. I played soccer. And every time I went to a Mexican restaurant here, it sucked. And I went to almost like every one of them. And I remember talking to my uh, best friend who was my business partner. I said, I think we need to reintroduce Mexican food to this country. And that's what the journey's been all about, making sure that if Americans came, if Mexican came, anybody from, you know, Latin American came, be like, this is better than anything I can get anywhere in the world. And that's how we look at GYG. Stephen Mark, CEO of Guzman y Gomez, or GYG US, joining us live from Sydney, Australia, where it's summer. And uh, one of our traditions on uh, New Year's, Stephen, I have uh, three young girls at home, and we like to watch the uh, midnight videos from all over the world. And uh, our first stop is usually the big fireworks display over the Opera House there in Sydney. So I hope oh, you it's uh, absolutely stunning. Hope you have a good uh, vantage point for it and enjoy it. Merry Christmas and uh, have a happy New Year, Stephen Marks. The CEO of Guzman E. Gomez, uh, one location in Naperville, soon coming to Schaumburg, a Mexican food chain that started in Australia. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Gas prices have now hit their lowest level since June of last year. Joining us now is Phil Flynn, senior market analyst at the Price Group and Fox Business News contributor based in Chicago. Phil, thanks for joining us today. You know, the, uh, the oil markets and the energy markets uh, it, it, in general, we're just we're so volatile, and it was enough to make a cup of coffee nervous in 2022. Uh, have we seen uh, some of that uh, volatility disappear from the market? 
I'm afraid not. Oh. I, I think we're just, we're, I know, buckle up. I'm telling you, get ready for the ride. You know, just go along with it. You know, at least you're riding in cheaper gasoline, right? You know, it's really plummeted. You know, uh, you know, the good news is you were mentioning it's the lowest price since Jude. The bad news is, is that you're comparing summer blends with winter blends. You know, they should be cheaper, darn it. We're not driving as much in the winter, especially this, this you know, today. I don't think there's a lot of people that want to go outside and drive. But, no, you're absolutely right. We're, we're seeing extreme volatility, and I'm afraid that our days of low gasoline prices aren't going to last. I think as we get into, you know, the uh, upswing of, of the winter uh, with more demand, uh, you know, China reopening, uh, I think prices are going to start heading back up again. So enjoy this while you can, because I think the new year is going to see another run up in gasoline prices. And then how will uh, the extreme cold temperatures, especially in places where they're not used to extreme cold, how could that impact uh, energy infrastructure? I'm thinking back to the uh, the freeze in Texas several years ago that uh, roiled the natural gas delivery system. I am afraid that we're already seeing some reported power outages uh, because of this cold. Uh, we're um, basically not as bad or anything on the scale that we saw in Texas, but it's a real danger. And, and this is one of the things that I keep harping on is that we can't take energy production for granted. Um, yeah, we want a cleaner world. We want an energy transition, but that's going to include um, – you know, fossil fuels for the near term. So we can't ignore that anymore. We have to face up to that reality. And until we do, uh, you know, the possibility of power outages and, and it, supply interruptions are really real. Has the uh, world energy markets, tra- has it absorbed and found a way around uh, the current, uh, the ongoing volatility uh, related to the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine? Or is that a situation that could surprise at any time? I still think it could surprise at any time. One of the things that we have done is historic, right? We've released as much oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve as we possibly could. We're basically right now, um, you know, uh, moving um, – uh, oil around, but we can't keep doing that forever, right? At some point, we're going to be running out of this oil. So um, I think that there's still some upside risks. One of the things right now, of course, is Russia's threatening to cut off supplies. If we get a cold winter in Europe and supplies go too high and prices go too high, they're going to try to cap the prices. Russia may cut that off. So to think that we're not going to see a lot of risk and that everything is going to be hunky-dory, I, I think is... Um, kind of like hoping that Santa Claus is going to bring me a new Rolls Royce for Christmas. I don't think it's going to happen. All right, I'm crossing that off the list. Phil Flynn, Senior Market Analyst at The Price Group and Fox Business News contributor based in Chicago. Thanks for joining us today. If you missed any part of the Noon Business Hour, the replay podcast available shortly at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.